Welcome new and old friends. My name is 242, and today 42 got us two horror stories. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, and comment. All these things tell YouTube that maybe others might like these stories as well, and it really does help. And don't forget, I also have playlists made so you can find stories you might have missed and listen more as you're busy doing other things. Now, you're trapped in a box and it's moving slowly down. The man who is supposed to help you tells you it's too late and then the doors open to darkness. This is a fear you wish you had never faced. And it's tonight's first story. Turn off your lights, make sure your doors and windows are locked. Things are about to get spooky. I have a phobia of elevators. I wish I never tried to conquer this fear. By Nom Nom Nation. I've always had a fear of elevators. I'm not claustrophobic. It's not the small spaces that scare me. My fear is simply being locked in by something beyond my control. I live on the fifth floor of my apartment building, and believe me when I say that my phobia has a daily impact on my life. Going up and down those stairs is tiring, and my friend caught the bad end of last week. I had slept in again, something I do all too often. I heard a ringing beginning in my dream, and as I opened my eyes and drifted back to reality, I realized the sound was coming from my phone. It was Maria. As I answered the phone with a weak hands, I tried to murmur hello, but nothing came out. Hey, I'm in town. You want to meet me? I did want to, but I did not have the energy to go down 105 steps. Yes, I have counted. When you walk them every day, you count them at least one time. My silence spoke for me as she replied, Please don't tell me you're sleeping at 2 p.m. again. Slightly unfair assessment. It was 1.45 p.m. I found my voice again. Hey, sorry. Yeah, I kind of was. Can you meet later? I can't be bothered for the stairs right now. I'm literally finishing in town and was about to head home. It's now or never. Please? I couldn't say no to her when she said it like that. She has a specific tone of saying please that she just knows always works on me. I still had that sense of nothing quite feeling real, so I sat up and tried to wake myself a little. Fine, fine. Where are you? Downstairs. We chat on the phone for a few minutes whilst I got ready. We hadn't seen each other for a few weeks, with both of us being busy with university work, so I was actually quite excited. Once ready, I stepped out into the hallway and began my usual routine, making my way to the stairs. I passed the elevators. I do this so often, I don't even think about how much time and energy they could save me. Yet this time... Something strange happened. The familiar rumbling of the elevator echoed through the walls as I arrived at my floor. 
The door opened, spilling the artificial light into the depressingly dim hallway. The gentle, ominous sound of elevator speakers allowed a grainy music to enter an otherwise quiet atmosphere. I could almost make out the song. Almost. I don't know if it was my tiredness or having my friend right at the bottom, but I felt like it was time to face my phobia head on. I think I might try the elevator. Wait, really? Oh my god, I'm so proud of you. I'll be right here at the bottom waiting for you. I stepped into the metal box, doubting myself with every step. Even as my hands reached for G, confirming my destination for the ground floor, I was finding myself to not just run back out. The doors seemed to close slowly, then they opened, giving me ample time to change my decision. I stayed. With the doors sealed, so was my fate. I knew I could no longer turn back. Just a warning, the single might out if so... Maria? Hello? The call had ended. I had forgotten that elevators often do that. Not only do they wish to trap you from the outside world physically, but they also mentally. I had no way of communicating with Maria, and I was left with my own thoughts, all of which were negative. I tried to fight the feeling of dread, trying to not even acknowledge the fact that I was in an elevator. It must have been about a minute in that I realized something was wrong. Elevators were not supposed to take this long. The number above the door indicated I was still on the fourth floor, but I could feel the elevator moving. Or was that just my anxiety making everything spin? I pressed G again. I don't know how many times I pressed it before switching to the open doors button. Neither seemed to do anything to help my shaky breathing from speeding up. It felt as though the air I was breathing was giving me no oxygen at all, suffocating on nothing. I pressed the emergency button, waiting for a response. For a brief moment, as a man's voice interrupted the music, I felt myself feel more grounded with the earth. Hello? Is everything okay? Despite my panic subsiding, I spoke too fast for him to understand me. What? I tried again. I think the elevator's broken. It's not moving. A few seconds passed. A few seconds longer than I'd like before someone responded to something like that. But I kept taking deep breaths, knowing that he was probably sending somebody out to fix it. The next sound from the speaker broke me. It's too late. The music came back to life, unaware of the terror within me. A cheery, happy melody, failing to make me feel anything similar. I pressed every button I could. I tried to call, text, voice chat with Maria. Every action I took felt slow, although I'm sure all of this happened within the span of 10 seconds. At the end of it, I collapsed to the metal ground. I looked up at the number. Three. We had gone down a floor. That was good, I thought, until I felt everything stop. I didn't even realize it was moving until it had stopped. The change in velocity was noticeable. 
I would have felt relieved if it weren't for the fact that the third floor of this building doesn't exist. At least, if it does, then I'm not sure how to access it. The elevator has no three button, and there are no doors to exit the stairwell on the third floor. Even the exterior of the building, there is a tall blank space in the wall between the windows of the second and fourth floor. The doors open, though they did not free me. They only made my prison larger. Darkness seemed to seep in from the larger, empty room that the elevator had landed on. I stood up and noticed the damp, dusty feeling of the air. I couldn't see the walls of the room, but I could make out the outline of someone at the edge of the darkness. Right where the light met the dark, something was there. I only noticed the music had stopped when the man on the elevator helpline spoke again. I could make out his words between the static and crackles. Perhaps some fears are rational. The longer I stared at the silhouette, the more I seemed to see. It wasn't motionless. It seemed to move slightly up and down. I would say it was breathing if the pattern was more regular. This is more like a grotesque quirking. A dripping sound began as a puddle of liquid emerged from the darkness. Perhaps some fears are... The power went out, and as the light flickered away, the gentle cracking of the speaker vanished. I could hear only my breathing and the dripping. I did not know whether this thing was in front of me or far away from me. I listened as carefully as I could, listening for any kind of footsteps, but the dripping was so irregular that it was impossible to ignore it and let it blend into the background. The darkness seemed thick, like I cut right through it. If I had a knife on me, I'd probably have tried. At least I'd be protecting myself in the process. I didn't know what to expect. Every small movement I made felt like it could be my last. I heard a whirling and the doors closed. I had never felt so relieved to be locked in by something beyond my control. The elevator descended again, and I had a moment to reflect on what had just happened. The lights of the elevator remained off, but the red glow from the display above the door remained. I watched as the numbers blinked from 2 to 1 to G. I was waiting for the doors to open and to be met with the familiar beaming face of Maria. As the light from the lobby poured into the elevator, I saw that the lobby was empty, and as my phone reconnected to the network, I got multiple notifications at once. You're taking a while, is everything okay? Hello, is everything okay? I'm going to come upstairs and find you. My hands still shaking, trying their best to type out a reply. Don't take the elevator. As the message failed to send, my dread was all but confirmed. I ran out of the still pitch black elevator, through the lobby and sprinting up the stairs. Maria? I called out to her up the stairway, although even if she had called back, I probably wouldn't have heard her over my panic. Maria? I called out until I reached the third floor. The blank wall of this floor meant something new to me. Once simply a wall with no door was now a barrier, keeping something at bay. Slowly, but as fast as my anxiety would allow, 
I placed a finger on the wall, then my palm, then my ear. I gently tapped on the wall, and it seemed to echo louder than a normal wall should. I stayed as silent as possible, not even entirely sure what I was listening for. My own heartbeat seemed to grow louder and louder, thumping right through my entire body. My own fingertips moved slightly with every beat as I stayed silent, waiting. Like the creature on the other side, waiting. I almost fell backward as a loud bang echoed. Turning around, I saw that it came from behind me. It was Maria. Oh my god, you look so stressed. It's okay if you couldn't take the elevator in the end. I did take it. I wish I didn't. I briefly explained what I saw, trying to make it sound like reality was difficult. It felt like I was lying to her, when I was simply explaining the very event I had just witnessed. I think she would have laughed if I didn't have tears streaming down my face. She hugged me tightly, so I let my head sink into her shoulders, muffling through my crying. I was able to get out. I thought you were dead. I stayed at Maria's house that night, and the whole week. To my surprise, she seemed to believe everything I told her. She wanted to help me find the truth. She always has been a good friend. I'm truly honored to have someone like her in my life. The first thing I found was the image of the building exterior in 2008. Windows on the third floor. Some open, some closed. Many with plants visible, or cloths hanging out to dry. People lived there some time ago. The next image we could find was 2015. The windows were gone. In those seven years, something happened. The question is simply a matter of what. A local news article from 2012 seemed to hold some answers. Fifteen residents left furious as they were evicted from their homes. It spoke about the apartment buildings and how a leak on the third floor kept coming back. Residents described it as a deep, black, gooey liquid, dripping with an inconstant rhythm. An awful lot like what I had seen. The eviction was temporary at first, while the leak was investigated. But it seemed to slowly transition to something permanent. What piqued my interest is that they specified, We were able to catch up with 14 of those affected. So where's the missing one? After reading through the names of everyone they caught up with and investigating public documents, I found only one resident name that didn't appear in the article, Dr. Victor Moros. He was reported missing shortly after the article was published. He had a PhD in psychology, specifically specialized in phobias. I managed to track down a relative of Victor, their most recent address is the small English countryside town of Sonder. I wanted to talk to them, but I didn't want to be disrespectful. They'll just think I'm crazy. I did visit the apartment lobby yesterday, just to check in on everything. The elevators were out of order. Not that I needed a sign to stop me from using them again anyway. All this seems to link together somehow. I just know it.
My wife with final stage Alzheimer's is reminding me each day about her memories of our wonderful trips around the world and how we were in love and passionate. After two months, I stopped reminding her that she was talking about her business trips with her colleague, Mark. I have befriended the monster under my bed, but I can never look at him by collecting apples. I have been living in my new bungalow for over a year now, and it's been great to finally have my life back on track after my abusive relationship. I've legally changed my name and even moved across the country. The house is beautiful. It's small, but I don't take up much space, so it's perfect. The garden has a lovely rose bushes and even a lemon tree. Everything about my new house is good, but I'm not exactly alone, and that's why I'm here telling you this. The inside was already furnished and decorated, and I didn't have much with me as I had just fled in an impulse, so I was very happy with that. Walking into my bedroom, I kept hearing a strange noise. I just assumed it was mice, so I purchased some traps and hoped for the best, but it never stopped. I called animal control and exterminators, but they never found anything, so I just ruled it as an old noisy home, until one night, I was laying in bed reading a book that I bought from a charity shop, and I heard a noise, a scratching noise, and it was coming from under my bed. I put a bookmark inside the book, set it to the bedside table, and began to lean over. Stop! A low, deep voice whispered. I leaned back so hard. I whacked my head against the wall and passed out. The next morning, I woke up and groaned. God, my head was killing me. I really did number on it. Then I remembered. Shuffling out of the sheets, I jumped up out of the bed and looked under, but there was nothing there. Maybe I imagined it. My day went on as normal. I went job hunting. I treated myself to a $6 coffee. I bought some more essentials for the house and then relaxed until bedtime. Nighttime rolled around and I headed to bed. Opening my book, I sighed in content and shimmered deeper into the covers. Then I heard it. The scratching. Hello? I said. Hello, Sarah? A voice responded. Now when I tell you my heart stopped, I mean it. I couldn't breathe. Who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you doing in my house? I yelled, frozen to the bed. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I live here. It responded. I'm going to call the police. This threat just made it... laugh? <laughs> that won't do anything, they said. I sat there for a few minutes, trying to recollect myself, and I began to lean over to have a look. Stop, they whispered. For your own good, I suggest you don't come any closer, he continued. What's that supposed to mean? I asked. I could feel the sweat trickling down my face. I don't want to hurt you, so I suggest you don't look. 
We talked all night, and that's when I learned he only appears under my bed at night. So that explains why I didn't see him when I looked this morning. He's not a threat. It's like a spirit that's just trapped and can't leave. He's quite friendly, really. Months have passed, and me and Dark have become best friends. I asked him one night what to call him, and he suggested that name, so I obliged. I hear nothing from him during the day, and when I hop into bed, he says hello and asks me about my day. He's a great friend, but if I ever bring someone inside, especially a man, he says he will kill them. I can't stay out too late or he'll get lonely and threaten to kill me for leaving him. I made the mistake one night of getting a little too drunk. Stumbling into the bedroom, I remember giggling again on my knees. Hello, Dark, I squealed. I will regret this decision for the rest of my life. What are you doing? Dark asked. Oh, nothing. I crouched lower, and that's when I heard his violent scream. But then I blacked out. Everything went back to normal after that night. I may have much paler skin and no heartbeat. I may have no job, no life anymore. But I still have dark, forever and ever. After losing my first baby, I was told that I'd have to have an emergency hysterectomy in order to survive. That was five-something years ago, and today I received an envelope with a CCTV picture of my husband handing over a briefcase to the doctor who saved my life. And with that, our time together is coming to an end. As always, I'd like to thank the writers who let me read their stories. If you'd like to check out more from them, check out their usernames on Reddit, or check out my website and find their links there. Thank you to the listeners as well. Whether you're new or have been here for a while, thank you so much for tuning in. Please remember to share this podcast with anyone who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to help in other ways, I do have Patreon, where for a dollar a month, you get early access to all these audios. And if you'd like to do a one-time donation, I do have PayPal and buy me a coffee as well. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I'll see you Sunday. Sleep tight, and don't let 42 bite.